What's up, everybody? It's Noah Alvarez here with the Podfathers Podcast. It's February 6th. Happy Hump Day to all you listeners, whether you're listening on Wednesday or during the middle of the week. We're going to try a new release date for here at the podcast, something I'll experiment with the next coming weeks. I usually typically release episodes on Friday, but in this instance, because we do recap the Super Bowl, Jacob Fanshawe and I, we did want to get this out sooner because, you know, Super Bowl kind of sucked. It was a little disappointing. We don't want to go into your weekend disappointing. So we might as well get into Wednesday. You're still going to have that long, shitty drive back home from work or long, shitty drive to work or just have a slow day at the office and whatnot. So we hope that we can occupy your time productively and chat about the Super Bowl. Unlike some people, I really enjoyed the Super Bowl. I thought it was a defensive chess match, and I really loved the defensive game plan Bill Belichick and his coaching staff implied on the high-flying offensive system that Sean McVay has deployed over there in Los Angeles. But overall, I will admit, from the commercials to halftime performance, it was fairly disappointing. Jacob Fanchon and I discuss different parts of the game, break down the halftime performance and the commercials that were very forgettable. We also talk about our New Year's resolutions. It's in the beginning of February, and like most people, we all have New Year's resolutions. And the New Year's resolutions, February is a good month to check up on your New Year's resolution. See how you did in the month of January, whether you dropped it already, or you need to work on it a little bit more, or you, you're kind of going steady. So props to all of you and your New Year's resolutions. Hope it's all going well. You can check us out on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, and the Pulse Podcast Network. They also have an app, too, so you can download that. do want to give a shout-out to Generic Sports for providing us the instrumental playing in the background. He provides all the instrumentals that we play here at the Podfathers Podcast. You can check him out at soundcloud.com slash generic sports. Again, Jacob Fanshawe and I going over the Super Bowl, the halftime show, and our New Year's resolutions. Hope you enjoy the latest episode. So Jacob, it's still early in February, but like most people, we have New Year's resolutions and we're talking about a little bit before the show, but February marks a good landmark in the year to see how your New Year's resolutions have lasted throughout the first month, whether you've dropped them, kept up with them, or how diligent you have been in keeping up with them. So share with us how your New Year's resolutions are going. Absolutely. Well, uh, just to give a little insight to the listeners at home, you know, I started off this year unemployed. Mm -hmm. I was was on my longest stint of unemployment, actually. And at the New Year, my folks pretty much kind of gave me an ultimatum. They said, you know, either get a job or I didn't want to find out. Mm-hmm. To be honest, I, I didn't want to find out the second part. So I went out and got myself a job. Proud of PetSmart Associate. For any of you guys listening out there, head over. But not here to the company line. <laughs> Basically, I got the job and things turned around. I kind of turned a corner in my life, I feel. I feel a lot happier. I feel I'm getting to financial stability. Not quite there yet, but you know we're starting to lay the bricks of that foundation for that. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, I just made myself a bunch of small little goals for this year. You know, Try to take time to appreciate uh, my friends, my family, uh, lovers whatever it may be just be happy and, and mm-hmm. allow allow myself to enjoy life a little more i'm on the precipice of turning 21 i turn 21 next month mm-hmm. you know i'm very excited to see what life brings and kind of what that whole what doors open up with being of legal age finally in all 50 states including districts so <laughs> it's pretty cool and you know just i made a few small ones like you know there might be insignificant but i want to keep a list of books i read this year because recently yeah. i've really been reading a lot of Game of Thrones and it's just been really enjoyable and I'm almost done with book two that's like 900 pages almost done yeah. and they only get bigger and bigger and <laughs> thicker as I go up that chain so I'm kind of scared but mm-hmm. also excited so I want to keep a list of books I've read I definitely want to try and see more movies this year mm-hmm. 
But I also, in, in a company with the movies, I've been really trying to work on just myself. And I, I'm going to be honest with you folks. I, I'm not sure exactly what that means. You know, you get a myriad of answers. Many people have many opinions on what that means. But for me, I'm really just trying to establish independence for myself, not try to rely on people as much or trust, try to do things on my own. And even if I am scared and I do fail the first time, then that's okay because failure is a part of life I've learned. Yeah. Right quick. And it's not... Somebody once told me it's not it's not about the failure, it's what you do after the failure. Yeah, and, how you uh, bounce back. Exactly. So I felt that this month, this year has gone off to a really great start for me. You know, I'm working, getting steady hours, as I said, and uh, just, mm-hmm. you know, kind of just doing the things I wanted to do. Going to school again, classes start tonight, actually. I got like a mid-session, so things feel really well, and I feel a lot happier than I have in pff, months. So it's felt... It's felt great and it's felt awesome. And for any listeners at home, you know, don't uh, don't lose faith. You know, hold on to it. Mm-hmm. It's funny that you mentioned bigger and thicker because that was my goal for 2019. Nah, I'm kidding. Oh my god, <laughs> that's a joke. That's a joke, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> but no, it was, it, that's good to hear. My, I think I was telling you before the show, before we started recording, that a lot. My goal. I have really one big goal in 2019. That's hopefully to move out by the end of the year and kind of get a job in, in the, the industry that I would like to somewhere out of state or some in a smaller market so I have some more kind of opportunity for growth and stuff like that. But that's my my big goal. I think like any everyone or a lot of people, 2019, I also want to take care of my mental health a little bit more. Kind of re- do some more reading. Not so much reading leisurely, but I know like I've been going to these Al-Anon meetings, which has really helped me kind of find myself spiritually again. And I'm doing a lot of the readings that come the, that come with that you know what I mean there's some books that you can buy and it's a lot of you know family oriented stuff and stuff to how to deal with um, other things that are kind of out of your control but I really like enjoy reading those things because it keeps me in that positive mindset another you know a lot of other part of self-help is kind of eating better I think I started doing that at the tail end of 2018 but that's something I'm really starting to, I'm starting to snack on nuts I'm starting to buy these like these berries and starting to make berry smoothies starting to eat oatmeal or I actually re- realized at the end of 2018 too my stomach started acting up towards dairy so I'm starting to cut out you know at least dairy milk I'm starting to try almond milks and pea milk I tried pea milk the other day with pea a friend. as in P-E-A yeah P-E-A like sweet pea milk or something like that so I, I know I never heard of that I never even seen a bottle for that but my friend had it at her house and I was like okay I'm gonna try this and so it was actually pretty good it's kind of thick um, not as thick as those commercials that we saw at the Super Bowl, that thick milk <laughs> commercial, but we can get into that later. But oh my gosh, yeah, and, and so I'm just kind of trying different things, trying new diets, trying to just kind of keep my mind busy, but also at peace, um, trying meditation and reading, and all that stuff is kind of helping me along, and hopefully that I can get to that end goal at the end of the year. Like I said, the big goal for 2019 is to move on and move up, I think, and that's that's my end goal, and it's good to hear, though. Always forward, never back, man. Always forward, never back. So we're going to take a little step back, actually, and look, check out the uh, Super Bowl 53 that happened this past Sunday. And, well, if you could describe the Super Bowl in, in one word, what would it be? Uneventful, disappointing, and for all intents and purposes, boring. At Sir, least in my opinion. Three, that was three words. I yes, it one. was. I'm sorry. I, I, that's, that's, that's how I felt about it, man. It just... I went into this game, you know, kind of expecting a lot of scoring mm-hmm. because A, it's Tom Brady. You know he's going to put points on the board. B, it's Jared Goff and and company with Brandon Cooks, Higby, Woods. You know, a pretty star, a star-laden uh, wide receiving core alongside even with C.J. Anderson and Todd Gurley, who mm-hmm. even though he had limited play uh, usage, you know, I still expected points to be put up on the board. Right. And while I knew both defenses were pretty stout, especially that Rams defensive line, secondary left a little wanting more but 
I just I didn't expect the game to go the way it did. And especially after the first quarter, we were both talking about that, about how first quarter gave me hope that, like, hey, okay, this is going to be a slug match, but somebody's going to break through because, mm-hmm. you know, just something's got to give. Nothing ever really get, yeah. gave, you know, and those missed field goals are a bit of a head-scratcher, too. You know, you're in a dome. They don't yeah. have to really... Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm not a kicker. Sure, it might be a little harder than just that, but uh, you don't have to take part, um, take into account any elements or anything. So Yeah, on the last podcast, I think we were talking about how I didn't like you know the Super Bowl in the dome because there's no element of surprise or there's no it seemed like kickers are just you know perfect in the dome and even you know Jim Nance before Steven Guskowski's first miss on that field goal you know he was saying how no one's missing the Atlanta Superdome this year and he kind of jinxed it and sure enough two kickers missed at the the field goals in the Super Bowl last Sunday so it was kind of odd to see that you know both kickers who are really good kickers they both missed a field goal each I think the word I would use was frustrating. Mm. You know, being a Rams supporter, I'm not a Rams fan, but, you know, they're in L.A. and they're doing pretty well. And I've you, you can follow them a lot easier here because all the radio stations are talking about it, the TV stations are talking about it, people are talking about them. I thought, you know, the Rams were going to put up more of a fight. And like you said, at the end of the first half, we were talking, and I was kind of excited because I knew it was going to be a defensive chess match going into the game, kind of like it was against the Chiefs-Patriots. You know what I mean? We saw it 14-0, and the Chiefs really had no answer, but then the, the final score was 37-31. to So you saw both teams kind of break out in that second half, and they really put up some more points. And I was kind of waiting for that to happen in the Rams-Patriots game, but it never did. The Rams kind of settled for that one field goal. They had another opportunity where they were in the red zone, but then got through that interception. But I think... More so, it wasn't so much the Rams choking. I thought it was such a brilliant coaching job by Bill Pelichick and his defensive staff. I mean, they took the Rams were you know third best in rushing in the year, second highest scoring team, and the fifth best passing team in the year. And they just held them to you know just to to under six. They held them to sixty two rushing yards. They only held them to three points and one hundred ninety eight passing yards, two hundred sixty total yards. So I thought it was a huge. It just showed how great Bill Belichick's mind is, his de- his defensive mind, and uh, how well those players can execute. Because you can have a great mind, but to have players execute your vision and stuff like that, I, I think that's a whole other level, too. The Patriots play disciplined, sound football. Mm-hmm. Tom Brady made one mistake, and that was at the beginning of the game, and he didn't make another mistake. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference between winning and losing. It's those small things in the game that add up to the bigger picture. Special teams. Dude. This, the return man for the Patriots had decent returns almost all game. You know, mm-hmm. I think they got got it past the 20 in almost every punt or hardly ever kickoff. You mean the kickoff? So every yeah. punt, yeah. Um, basically, you know, the, the return game was strong. Limited fumbles and interceptions from Brady, which is as expected. And for the most part, Belichick made the the adjustments at halftime that he needed to, whatever adjustments may he have needed to make. Mm-hmm. In comparison to McVay, which we were talking off-air before this podcast got started, I felt McVay kind of, they came in with one game plan, mm-hmm. and once that game plan kind of got stifled and Belichick figured them out real quick, it, it, it McVay and company mm-hmm. seemed a little bit starstruck. You know, and mind you, it's not like the Rams were dealing with uh, a bunch of injuries. I mean, Todd Gurley is a big injury that affects yeah. their play calling, but you still have the healthiest offensive line in the league. Yeah. You still had one of the best quarterbacks in the league, some of the best wide receivers in the league. C.J. Anderson proved to be a resurgent running back. There's no reason why the Rams should have been shut out the way they were. Yeah. It, the point is, yes, you have to give credit to Belichick's defensive mind and kind of tailoring it to the Rams' weaknesses because they stacked the box so many times and just overwhelmed that offensive line. Mm-hmm. But it was just more so, I think McVay was kind of like, hey, man, this was our game plan. It didn't really work. I, could, I can't even tell you what his game plan really was, mm-hmm. you know? I mean, 
Well, it, it seems like I was talking about it a little bit before the before we started recording. It seems like his game plan is kind of the same in most games, right? You know, get the, the get the run game going, then the play action's usually wide open. To sell it. You know, teams start loading the box and they start playing man coverage behind it because they're trying to stop the run. And then all of a sudden you get Cooks, Woods, and one-on-one coverage. And I think we saw a little bit against the Chicago Bears, obviously, when that loss. We saw it against the Detroit Lions. They won that game, but it was kind of like a, a slugfest victory. We saw it against the Eagles. When the, when the Rams' offensive game plan doesn't go right, it seems like you said Sean McVay doesn't have like any adjustment adjustments or any backup plans. And I think that's the next step in his game. I mean, he's only 33. He's a super young coach, the youngest coach to go to the Super Bowl. But I think, I was telling you before, there's no. I don't think you're born with the ability to make adjustments. That's something you have to learn over years and years and years of coaching. So yes, while these new young coaches, whether it's Matt Nagy in Chicago or some of the other guys that are getting hired, or Sean McVay in Los Angeles, they're gonna have to still have a couple years of coaching under the under their belt before they realize how to make mid-game adjustments. Because we saw it, I think. Uh, on the Patriots side, New England Patriots, especially on offense, I thought Brian Bilicek and Josh McDaniels, they had a perfect, their game plan wasn't working in the beginning. You know, Tom Brady threw an interception on his first play. They kind of seemed to abandon the run a little bit. They were going a little bit more Which pass happy. Which was surprising considering how well Sony Michelle had done at Kansas City and exactly. for that matter throughout the season. So, mm-hmm. And in the second half, they went right back to the run. But they, they started doing counters. They started doing traps. And they started running away from Aaron Donald and attacking Sue and Dante Fowler Jr. and some of the other players. And they really limited and neutralized Aaron Donald. I think he got that one kind of... It wasn't a sack. He just kind of threw down Brady after he Which threw was awesome down the ball. Which was awesome to see, by the way. It was awesome to now, see. I'm, but they really limited that defensive line. I agree. They, they, what well put, by the way. And for the folks listening at home who do follow Noah, you posted on Twitter an excellent breakdown kind of mm-hmm. how the Patriots' defensive line overtook the offensive line. But I want to focus more on the offensive play calling. I'm going to say by Brady at this point. He's been in the league for so long, it's safe to say he's probably calling that offense on the fly. Mm -hmm. But what I really loved is the Patriots run a very pro-style, old-school offense with Gronkowski now taking on, well, he's been the tight end role, but more taking on a traditional role of laying down blocks instead of really running routes. But who I felt was the most... I'm not going to say uh, unsung hero, but just definitely, I don't think the Rams can, took him into account. Is Danny Burkhead, dude. Danny, Rex Burkhead. Oh, it's Rex. I thought it was Danny Burkhead. My Rex bad. Hedrick. Well, Michelle and Burkhead. You're thinking of Danny Woodhead. Mm, Rex Burkhead. My bad, my yeah. bad. Okay. He played on the Patriots a well, while ago. Bur- <laughs> <laughs> Burkhead and Michelle. Mm-hmm. I think the Rams were dialed in on Michelle because he was probably more versatile. Well, he is more versatile. Him. It, exactly. Yeah, cool. But Burkhead, he, he had a few carries where, man, all they did was pull the guard and the tackle and just took out the outside linebacker and, t- and took out the defensive end. And, dude, right there was 5, 10 yards. And mm-hmm. I love that. I loved it. You know, I like the the, the spread offense and, and let it fly. But sometimes that old school, just three yards in a cloud of dust, Woody Hayes' notion of running the offense, it works. And the Patriots do it to perfection, man. I mean, look at that first drive for the Patriots. I mean, or second drive, because the first drive ended up in a Tom Brady interception. Mm-hmm. I think it was the, the consequently second and third drives for the Patriots. It was just smash mouth football. We're going to mm-hmm. run the ball. And they did it in Kansas City in the championship game, yeah. too. I mean, it... I just kind of like that. It's, it's, it sends a message, you know, that it's a very physical game. The Patriots play a physically, a, yeah. a physical, disciplined, sound game. And I know you've heard me say that like a broken record at this point, but it's true. I mean, when you look at when you look at how the Patriots win, it's not fancy. It's not it's not like oh, dude, they're Flashy, putting up yeah. video game numbers. No, it's they don't fumble the ball and they don't make stupid mistakes. Put that two together, you can win a lot of ball games with the right players. Even in the first drive, 
I know it resulted in interception, but the first three plays were all run plays, and they were getting first downs like yes. on each and every single slashing run. them. It just happened to be the first play. You know, Brady made a, a wrong read and he threw that interception that got deflected into to the air. But they had kind of like you said success all game on the run game, except for maybe a brief stint in the second and in the third quarter where the Rams kind of tied down. But then, like I said, they kind of made the right adjustments and they were able to run the ball again, especially in that last quarter when they had to close it out in that drive. Rex Burkhead had that huge 26-yard run on a third down and they kept the drive alive and just kept chewing more clock off. I just thought... It, it was, like you said, the, and the league, it seems like it's shifting towards more of this pass hoppy spread, Patrick Mahomes and all these exciting young well, quarterbacks. I was about to say, look at who's in the league and is having wild success. I mean, no, I know. Those are the guys that are right, and orchestrating just, it. And it's it's funny because that seems like the new wave. It seems like what the NFL is carrying to. But then you saw the Super Bowl. It was completely opposite of that. Defense won the championship. And yeah. this old school ground and pound, like you said, the winning Patriots is not flashy. It's not fancy, but it worked. They ran the ball like... They ran the ball, I think, 36 times for 154 yards, the team. And it really, they really put it to the Rams' defense, and, and the Rams had no answer for it. Question. To keep it on the topic of defense, can you tell me the Rams' defensive coordinator? Wade Phillips. Wade Phillips. Okay, yeah. that man needs to have, I think, McVay and the owner needs to have a serious conversation with him. Because how many times was Edelman one-on-one coverage? Yeah. My Lord, how do you allow that man to be one-on-one? And for that matter, how, how, how do you... How do you put Gronkowski and not double up Gronkowski? I mean, there were there were some times where it was a third down, mm-hmm. and you could see that he wasn't it was it wasn't double coverage. You knew they were going to get it to Edelman because yeah. Edelman is too quick and too fast. And I think he had 10, 10 catches for one hundred and forty yards. I know he had a huge game, one hundred and forty one yards. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking to myself, if I'm if I'm that defensive coordinator, I'll give up Gronkowski. He's not as fast. I'll give up those yards a little bit. But how are you letting Edelman slash you in the heart of the field? And the Chiefs struggled with it too. It's not just a Rams issue. Right. Edelman is a dangerous slot receiver, and I feel like teams aren't respecting that. They they don't double him up, and they don't give over the safety help. Mm-hmm. It's like what do you? You're kind of allowing Brady to do what he does best, and it's yeah. just a little bit of a head scratcher. You have two weeks to prepare. And when it comes to – it's not like the Patriots have a whole bunch of slot wide receivers as dangerous as they did before. They lost some guys. You have Gronkowski that's capable of running routes, but he's become more of a blocker. So then it becomes Edelman, and I can't even name you another yeah, Patriots Dorsett, wide receiver. Hogan, but yeah, Dorsett, Hogan. Yeah, exactly. It's just – yeah, I forgot about Hogan too. Jeez. Mm-hmm. But you kind of get what I'm saying. It's just how, how, how do you not – if you're Phillips, how do you not see that and kind of at least try to make an effort mm-hmm. to, to double him up or jam him at the line? I'm going to counter-argue that. I think he did make an effort. I think he did – I thought Will Phillips did as good as a job as he could against Brady. I think if anytime you hold Brady in the New England offense to 13 points – you should, have, you should win that game. I think that's that's why it's. I blame solely like the yeah. Rams' offense for you know that loss and more more credit to Belichick and the defense's game plan. But I thought they did a nice job of mixing up their coverages, whether it was zone man. I know at times I just think Julian Edelman. I think Tony Romo broke it down perfectly. He's a phenomenal route runner. I mean, there yes. was times there yes. was times where they had bracket <laughs> coverage where Marcus Peters had the inside and they had outside help, but he fooled Marcus Peters and beat him in. Or he had you know somebody who was helping on the outside and he fooled that guy and he still went outside. I think I mean there was there was Tony Romo where times where they were saying you know he, had, he was getting five to th- three to five yards of separation on every route that he was running. So I just think it, like a lot of it goes to. Julian Edelman. I don't think Marcus Peters or Aqib Talib were capable of going one-on-one with them all game. <laughs> no. Even if you double them the times that you did see him double, they're just beating the zone. Julian Edelman's a smart receiver. He knows how to settle into the zones. And I don't know. I, I don't know if you're trying to get into this conversation, but I think he kind of deserves a Hall of Fame, even though he doesn't have the regular season numbers as some of these other guys have. He's put up so many good numbers in the postseason. Granted, he's played for Tom Brady and the best you know franchise uh, run in, in a long time in the Patriots, but 
he did that. He, I think he won that game himself for the Patriots offense because he was able to find the holes in zone. He was able to beat man coverage, sometimes even double coverage, and have these phenomenal routes and make all these clutch catches. I, I thought it was beautiful. Okay, before we <laughs> sorry, before we kind of get on the topic of Canton and whether or not he's mm-hmm. deserving of it, I do want to make note of about Edelman as a wide receiver. Peyton Manning has the detail, mm-hmm. and while that's about quarterbacks, Manning did a great job at showcasing in the AFC Championship how. Edelman is a team player in the mm-hmm. sense of he runs his routes hard every single time, and yeah. that makes those safeties respected. Of course. When Tony Dorsett scored his one—or not Tony Philip Dorsett. Dorsett. Philip Dorsett. That's a whole other player. When Dorsett scored his one and only touchdown in the AFC Championship, that was because Edelman kept that safety honest because of how hard he was running his route and how fast he was running his mm-hmm. route. That That is—those th- are the kind of guys you want in your squad. Not to say the Rams don't have that, but yes, I agree with you. Well, that's that's the Patriot way, essentially. Exactly. You know what I mean? And, and I agree with you in the sense of— Maybe I was a little too hard on Phillips, but getting mm-hmm. three to five yards of separation, you couldn't stop him at the line. He's slashing you for an inside slant, and that's five yards apiece. Brady's going to take that every single day. Mm-hmm. And even if he doesn't, you have to remain honest. And that leaves guys such as Dorsett open or such as Hogan, guys who you know, you're not exactly game planning for, but Brady's smart enough to know Edelman requires so much attention and mm-hmm. focus that you're going to have other guys open in the field. Right. So. Now, to tie this back into your conversation of uh, Canton and uh, Hall <laughs> of Fame, yeah. uh, I, I don't know about that, and First Take actually had a great take on this. A lot of shows have been talking about it. It somehow recently got up, I think, by one of the NFL Network shows, and mm-hmm. it just kind of started this huge debate, and everyone started running with it. I didn't even think about it you know, up until like maybe a week ago, but I think after Super Bowl 53's performance, Edelman, I think he deserves it, yeah? Right, but... Uh, I think Kellerman and Smith said it best is I know that he had had in the past I'm not too sure of the details but he's had problems with PEDs or not not PEDs but yeah he was suspended the first four games this year okay suspended for the first four games this Mm -hmm. year so I think according to Kellerman you know that Mm -hmm. that kind of I'm sure that taints it yeah yeah, a little bit but I mean I guess uh, I don't know man it's he's a clutch performer he he performs clutch in the highest clutch moments like Tom Brady does. Mm-hmm. So I think that has to account for something. I mean, is clutch a uh, actual trait that athletes can possess? I don't know. That's a whole topic for another mm-hmm. discussion. But Edelman most certainly has it. Mm-hmm. And for those that are arguing that he wasn't deserving of the Super Bowl MVP, name me another player that was. I mean, See, no offense, and, and Brady would, didn't exactly have the greatest game. No, Brady for sure. And, I would have gone. I, it wasn't going to happen. But I would have liked to see defensive uh, back Stephon Gilmore. Oh, that's a Because he, he had five tackles. <laughs> he had an interception, the, the key interception that kind of sealed the game late in the fourth quarter. And he also had uh, three pass deflections. He was a huge – he was on Brandon Cooks a lot, and he stayed on Brandon Cooks like glue, like white on rice or whatever the expressions are. Whatever expression you want, Gilmore was all over Cooks. He was all over the other receivers too when he was tasked to cover the other guys. So I thought Stephen Gilmore – was well-deserving, but obviously they're always going to give it to an offensive player. I thought Edelman was most deserving, though. I mean, he had a phenomenal game. I, like I said, he he really broke that Rams secondary. I thought Phillips had a nice game plan, and Edelman just was like the sole man who broke it. You know what I mean? He was like the Thanos, and Wade Phillips in the defense was the Avengers. And, you know, Edelman's snap just kind of discombobulated the Rams secondary. You know secondary. what's funny? I, at the Super Bowl party I was at, I told I told my family, I said, you know, watch, Edelman's going to have more than 100 yards, and everyone laughed at me. Mm-hmm. 141 suckers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it was fun to see. And then, like you said, late in the game when everyone was kind of started on Edelman, I thought it was cool they went back to Gronkowski because Gronkowski had a relatively quiet game until that last drive where he had those two big catches down the sideline. <laughs> And it was because he had a linebacker on coverage. Like, no linebacker is going to be able to keep up with Gronkowski, especially at a high-point throw like that. But I think a lot of credit like that goes 
to Edelman and for him running those hard routes away from the field, getting safeties, drawing other defensive backs or you know linebackers in the middle of the field or wherever he's at. The attention's all on Edelman, especially after that great performance up through those three quarters. And so that really benefited from Gronkowski because I thought he had a relatively quiet game. We saw him get hit pretty hard, and I think that first first or second quarter when he made that one reception, you mm-hmm. saw him limping a little bit. I remember the TV camera pointed it out, pointed it out. But um, Gronkowski came big late in the game like he needed to. I think the Patriots really benefited from that. Well, now that we've talked about the game plan and everything, before we kind of get into everything else that the Super Bowl is, I read some pretty interesting statistics about how... So, uh, the people in uh, New Orleans really weren't kidding when they said they weren't watching that Super Bowl. In fact, uh, the state of Louisiana had the lowest... um, Rating. Ratings of watching the Super Bowl, which is pretty miraculous, I think. Like, it's... You got to be really pissed off not to tune in to the the only thing that's on on that Sunday. So I just thought that was funny. But also, this was like the 10th lowest uh, Super Bowl worldwide being watched. So let's talk about that. Why? Why? Or I mean, it kind of seemed like everything was disappointing. Mm. The halftime show was a little bit disappointing. No commercials really stood out to me. The Bud Light, Bud Night commercial kind of... I like that because it was it had to do with Game of Thrones, but yeah. there were no like I felt this Super Bowl was weird. I, felt, know, I, yeah. I felt like everyone was, it, it was very solemn. Usually, leading the weeks leading up to Super Bowl, there's hype and excitement for commercials for you know who uh, who's going to perform at the halftime performance, all this, and it's like on Twitter there's big news about Sweet Victory being played, and that was awesome or p- possibility of it being played, but then it's like the Super Bowl came, the first half happened, and everyone was like, ah, this is kind of not what I expected, and then the, the halftime show was. I was extremely disappointed. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, no commercial stuck out. Like, what do you think was... I, I told you over the phone I, I, earlier in the week, I thought the first half was cool. It was like, it felt like there was a lot of buildup still. But I think after the halftime show, I think just everything in the Super Bowl went to shit. I was watching, actually, with a friend. We are watching Katy Perry's Super Bowl performance. We are watching Beyonce's Super Bowl performance back in the, the New Orleans Superdome. Uh, we were watching so many other halftime performances, and we're like, yeah, like... Because it took me a while to realize Maroon 5's halftime performance kind of sucked if we were going at as far as the, the musical aspect of it. And then you saw the kind of the sweet victory things kind of released on Twitter and like it seemed like the NFL was hinting at that. And then they even like, you know, show Squidward and the band start to play. But then they introduced Travis Scott and they didn't do the sweet victory song at all. I thought that was kind of shit, you know, and it Travis was. Scott, he kind of only did one song and it was kind of a shit song. Like Travis Scott is really nothing without auto-tune. Um, that's, but that's a whole different argument. And then, you know, Maroon 5 just kind of sucked. He didn't have so much, like, choreography. I, I felt like he didn't do anything really cool like, or anything to really remind yourself of. It and was then a, Outcast was randomly thrown on there. Like, I was like... Big boy, yeah. Big what? boy, not Outcast. But it was just kind of... I don't know. It was kind of a shitty performance. And I thought that second half continued to be shitty. I, I think overall, it was just, like you said, it didn't lack up to the assignment. I think the rather reasons were ratings were so low is one, the NFL is kind of unpopular with, you know, amongst uh, pop culture. I think it's starting to decline in popularity and we really saw it today or on Sunday. And I think if you were watching the game and you saw it kind of low scoring, I mean, people don't want to see low scoring games. I think a lot of people would have rather saw the Chiefs and the Patriots or the Chiefs and the Rams, you know, put up 50 again or that, you know, the Chiefs and the Saints were who are more capable of putting up a lot more points instead of the defensive slugfest we saw on Sunday. I think that's why ratings were so low. But while I saw that as a nation, they were the lowest. I know in Los Angeles and in the New England area, they were the highest rated Super Bowls in a long time. In Los Angeles, it was the highest rated most watched Super Bowl since 1996. Oof. So, you know, that's good for the L.A. area. That means the Rams are popular and they really are sticking with at least the Southern California community, which is good for the Rams because they need that. But um, And obviously the Patriots, Patriots people are always going to watch their team. But I, I think, you know, looking at the bigger picture, there's just probably a lot of fans who don't hate, don't like the Patriots. And then I'm sure, 
you know, we're the Rams. indifferent to the Rams. So. Mm-hmm. We're indifferent to the Rams, exactly. So <sighs> it just well, it didn't have the appeal as maybe some of the other Super Bowl matchups might have. Well, there's always next year, mm-hmm. but I I just I felt like the Super Bowl was just weird. You know, like I said, usually there's hype about commercials. I didn't no commercial stuck out to me. I, mm-hmm. I did enjoy the Doritos chance rap chance rapper and the. You didn't like the, uh, the 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 football the Met Gala where it was like the hundred year celebration. I didn't even see that. I saw it afterwards. Mm-hmm. I saw it afterwards on Twitter. That was a really that was a really cool commercial. I would definitely go recommend. You watch that, especially to listeners who haven't watched it, because it was just like it was all the great players in football history, from Peyton Manning to Franco Harris to Reggie, uh, not Reggie Wayne, uh, Jerry Rice to you know Larry Fitzgerald, Montana, Odell Beckham Jr., Joe Montana, all these great guys, Ed Reed who just got into the Hall of Fame. So there was a lot of cool moments and a lot of cool players interacting with one another. I thought it was a cool commercial to see. I also like the commercial for Hyundai. That was like a kind of a quick commercial where they're going down in the elevator and they're going down to different life moments that are kind of shitty because the person who went into the elevator is like oh we're buying a car it's like oh you're going down I think it was Jason Sadukas the guy who was running the elevator mm-hmm. I don't know it's kind of a, it was kind of a funny commercial it definitely it seems like you don't remember it but mm-hmm. definitely go check it out if you haven't seen that one already too because it's kind of funny they, they do the talk as one of the ones that you're going down so you know there, there was very few commercials though. I think overall I can only remember three or four of them that I liked the rest of the commercials are kind of shitty. I, I also do want to talk about it a little bit, too. I felt like the NFL, they definitely try to promote that self-imagery. Like, I was watching the game, and they did a few moments where they were cutting back from commercial, and they were, you know, about to show the game, but they were talking about how, you know, Roger Goodell and the league uh, executives were went to this and to support their cause for the community mm. and, and stuff like that. Or they went to, you know, they supported the Black Lives Matter. It wasn't the Black Lives Matter, but they supported a similar kind of organization at the area in Atlanta they were at. And so it just seemed like they were really trying to promote that self-image, especially with the people that are with Kaepernick and that kind of whole group of people that aren't, aren't too fond of the NFL right now. It seems like they're really trying to orient it towards that and kind of make right with those people so that they can seem more popular to them again. I felt like the entire Super Bowl was just forgettable. I'm sorry. This, this year just didn't capture my attention. It didn't. It was no... Uh, late fourth quarter drives. I mean, mm-hmm. well, there could have been, but there wasn't. Mm-hmm. Um, well, there just, was, yeah, got through that interception. Yeah, that really it ended just, it. Uh, uh, you know, it's baseball season now. <laughs> or, well, baseball season's right around the corner, March. But, I mean, college baseball is coming up in February 15th, but I seem to be the only one that's really excited about that one. I think that's just to scratch the baseball itch. Really. Noah Alvarez here again. Hope you enjoyed the most recent episode of the Podfathers podcast. You know, this past week I had a little bit of a moment, kind of a touching moment, because as I was looking up the statistics for our listens and our plays over the past month, the month of January, I found out that we had over 275 listens in the month of January, and it truly just amazed me to see how far this podcast has grown. There are sometimes, like anyone in any profession, there are sometimes where I feel like, eh, are people really fucking with this? Are people really listening? Do people really care? Am I doing that good of a job? You know, I kind of doubt myself a lot. I think we all have some self-doubt at times. But to see that number, it was kind of reassuring, and it, it just, thank you to all the listeners when you made it this far, you know, shout out if you've been listening since day one, shout out if you're this is your first episode, I hope you keep on listening and listen to some of the older episodes we have some great content here like i said i'm gonna try and get some more non-sports conversations have some other people from my from my neck of the woods over here and try and talk some different things some controversial things some interesting topics you know we've had some good stuff up on the show in recent weeks definitely recommend you check that out if you haven't done so already again i'm noah alvarez and you can listen to us on spotify apple podcast soundcloud and the pulse podcast network Thank you for tuning in and hope you enjoyed the conversation.